Thank you, and once again, good morning to students and teachers of the Word of God. We've been studying on the theological seminar in the last few weeks the important matters and the important scriptures that deal with the Lord Jesus Christ in the study of Christology. On our last broadcast, we talked uh, for a good while about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're not through with this important subject yet. As a matter of fact, today's broadcast will deal with the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and the next two broadcasts. Four broadcasts in all dealing with this basic, fundamental uh, doctrine of the faith. When we speak about the doctrine of the faith, of course, we're dealing with what the Bible says about these matters. People are entitled to their own opinion. In the free country, of course, we should allow this. We wouldn't force our religion upon anybody or meddle anybody's business. But our job, of course, is to present clearly what the Bible says about these matters. And any Bible believer should be allowed the same matters and freedom of speech that is given to anybody else. Unfortunately, the so-called doctrine of equal time has no application to a Bible believer. For example, every Christmas time we're exposed to two and three hours of television work presenting Christmas in the most pagan light possible, and no Bible believer was ever getting equal time to say anything about the matter. The same is also true of news broadcasts. You may just notice news items coming for the last three years from Beirut in Lebanon talking about the Christians battling the Muslims. There is not a born-again Christian in the United States who's ever had the chance to even tell anybody that those aren't Christians. The denomination over there is called Greek Orthodox and sometime Roman Catholic. But to take the word Christian and put it down upon everybody indiscriminately is a violation of our civil rights. The Bible-believing Christian has no civil rights, as a matter of fact. So don't be surprised when we talk about these things. We're besieged with a barrage of nonsense from people who believe for equal rights for everybody except Bible believers. Now, we're presenting here what the Bible says about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not saying that anybody has to believe it. As a matter of fact, we're not saying that anybody has to do anything. It's a free country. However, don't get upset with us and holler about rights and all this business if you're not willing to face the facts or deal with the facts. A man said one time, he said, what is liberty? And the fellow says, well, you have a liberty to swing your hand down the street, but your liberty ends where my nose begins. On these broadcasts, we've been dealing with what the Scriptures say about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they have plenty to say about it. Now, if you want to reject this, this is up to you. It's a free country. Help yourself. However, don't expect any sympathy from us who know the facts and present the facts. Don't expect any sympathy or cooperation from us when you get deeply disturbed and terribly upset because you simply refuse to face facts or deal with facts. Now, our last broadcast, the scriptural facts were Jesus Christ forgave sins. We gave the references. He claimed equality with the Father. We gave the references. He claimed three attributes of deity, omnipresence, omniscience, and omnipotence. We gave the references. He claimed the personal name reserved for Jehovah God. We gave the references. And he was given divine names and prophecy, and we gave the references. Now, continuing this study here, we learn the Lord Jesus Christ claimed to be equal with God because he had the creative power of God. He had power over the natural elements. He received worship due only to God. He accepted the testimony of people who recognized him as God. And finally, the greatest proof of all, the fact that he came up bodily from the dead and was seen by 500 witnesses which has happened to no religious leader on the, on the face of this earth. If you went to Mecca, you'd find the tomb of Muhammad, and you'd find that he never came up from the dead. 
If you went to India, you'd find the bones of Buddha paraded through the streets. He never came up from the dead. But if you went to Jerusalem outside the city gate, they would say, He is not here, He is risen. Jesus Christ possessed ten exclusive attributes that are ascribed to God only, and we'll talk about them on today's broadcast. And then, of course, after today's broadcast, we'll have two more broadcasts to deal with this very important subject. All the new Bibles attack the deity of Christ, and if you'll mark the references as we give them on these series of broadcasts, these four broadcasts, you will find that every Bible printed since 1700 takes a slap at the deity of Christ in some place. Although, of course, they reserve a few verses to prove it, so the Bibles will sell to atheists, agnostic, communists, infidels, and Bible believers alike. The new Bibles are made to sell, so they must appeal both to the unregenerate nature of the unsaved man and the saved nature of the saved man. The only way this can be accomplished is through Christian education. Christian education teaches the Christian that there is more than one reliable translation. And by getting rid of the supreme authority of the Word of God and recommending several translations, a translation can be foisted upon the believer that denies the deity of Christ in certain places, as all the new Bibles do. On our broadcast last week, we gave you some references to check. I hope you've checked them. You probably haven't. Our ecclesiastical religious bigots are very consistent in one thing. They never search the Scriptures to see if the things anybody says are so. They're perfectly consistent along that particular thing. It is habitual with the fact-denying, truth-rejecting Christian that he will not check the facts when they're presented. Last week we gave you 1 Timothy 3.16. I trust you've checked it in at least 20 translations. If you haven't, do so before you go to bed tonight. I trust you've checked Luke 2.33 in the New Translations. I trust you've checked John 8.35 in the New Translations. I trust you've looked up Zechariah 12.10 and Zechariah 13.6 in the new so-called Bibles and so-called, quote, reliable translations, unquote, which are a horse laugh to an informed man who knows what's going on. I mean, you must never forget that the purpose for Christian faculty members recommending this stuff is to recommend a dual authority so they themselves can decide between the authority. It had nothing to do with scholarship. Somebody said, well, I know a great Greek or Hebrew scholar that recommends. Yeah, but what was his motive for recommending? See? That's what ties the rag on the bush. The reason why these fellows recommend more than one translation is so when the two translations conflict, which they do in 30,000 passages, then the scholar himself can arbitrate and be the final authority himself. Can't you figure that one out? Now, returning to our proper lessons on Christology, we're dealing with the deity of Jesus Christ. And the eleventh thing we'd like to say about this important subject is that Jesus Christ had creative power. To bring something into being from nothing, that is creation, is possible only to God. There is no man who ever lived who could make life out of nothing. They're working on with enzymes that are already there, and amino acids and genetic codes which are already there. And the pretending life came from the dead automatically, and trying to pretend it came from nothing, but the fact is only God can bring something from nothing. Jesus Christ was active in creation and continues to maintain the world according to the testimony of Colossians 1, John 1, and Hebrews 1. Read it. John 1, Hebrews 1, 
and Colossians 1. These verses say whether a man accepts them or not, and teaches them whether they're credible or not, that Jesus Christ was the author of creation, there was nothing made that was not made by him, without him nothing was made that was made, he sustains all things and holds them up by the word of his power, and he is the creator of all things, visible and invisible, dominions and powers, in this world and the world to come. What a thing for a man to claim who is just a religious leader. What a stroke, man. You didn't find Buddha claiming that power. Why, Muhammad wouldn't dare claim that power. The power to create the universe? That's what's claimed for Jesus Christ. Now, tell me he was a good man, but he wasn't God, huh? Tell me he was a man that you should follow, and you should follow his teachings, but he wasn't God. Why, if it wasn't God manifest in the flesh, he was the biggest liar that ever lived, bar none. You shouldn't follow him to the front gate. Jesus Christ was the true God because he had power over the elements. In Luke 8, 24, Jesus rebuked the wind, and it obeyed him, and there was a great calm at once. In Mark 4, 39, Jesus calmed the waves of a raging sea. A power not of man, but of God only. In Matthew 14:25, Jesus walked on the water, and this ability is denied to ordinary men. Yeah, I know what they say. They say all kinds of things to get rid of the deity of Christ. They say he didn't walk on the water, he walked on the ice. Sure, kid. Sure, kid. Take a vacation, my man. Get, get things put back together. You're not playing it with a full deck. Did you ever see ice cakes a man could walk on in Galilee with a windstorm up? Do you think a commercial fisherman didn't know how to walk on ice if it could have been done? Do you mean to tell me Simon Peter was a commercial fisherman all his life, didn't know more about Galilee than you do? Do you think when a hurricane comes off the, off the coast of Cape Hatteras or off the coast of Cuba or in the Gulf of Mexico, do you think there's any body of scientists who can make it lie down and get quiet? Are you kidding? When those winds come in 150 and 200 miles an hour like Agnes and Myrtle and Camille, do you think that any body of scientific knowledge, any body or any group of scientists at Cape Canaveral or Houston Space Center can do anything but get out of the coast and pray? Well, Christ could tell it to shut up and go to sleep like a baby in his mother's bosom. According to the record, is the recorder a liar? He was an eyewitness. Are you? Jesus Christ received worship due only to God. In John 9, 38, the man who had been healed by blindness recognized him, the Savior said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Why didn't Jesus Christ tell him to get up? The idea of accepting worship from a man, and Jesus always accepted it. In Matthew chapter 14, the Bible says, after that storm at the sea, they worshipped him. In Luke chapter 24, it says in Luke chapter 24 that when he ascended up there, that they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem. Now, isn't that something, isn't that something to consider and to think about if he wasn't God? Now, who are these people telling you that Jesus Christ was a great religious leader and a great teacher? and taught the principles of life in the Sermon on the Mount, and yet are telling you that it doesn't make any difference whether you believe or not that he was God manifest in the flesh. 
Do you think I would listen to a man who let people bow down and worship him? Do you think I'd let him teach me how to live unless he was God? Aren't people strange in America these days? You talk about Barnum being right about a sucker being born every minute. You wonder sometime if there wasn't if one born every other second. I mean, how could a man in his right mind who read the biblical account think that Jesus Christ should be followed to the front gate in view of the way he talked and the way he acted? He let people bow down and worship him as God. In John 20, verse 28, Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. You're not going to get out by saying, well, the Lord was a term of politeness, and the worship meant bowing down like an oriental did. You're not going to get out of that stuff no matter how you try to fight against the truth. The truth is, Jesus Christ accepted worship as God, and commended men for doing it, and allowed them to do it, and encouraged them to do it, and never refused it. Now, you see the limits to which the depraved imagination, the unregenerate mind will go to get around the truth in dealing with these matters. There seems to be almost no limit to which the unregenerate mind will not acclimate itself in order to deny the factual documented evidence. The evidence presented in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the Lord Jesus Christ would accept worship, encourage it, tolerate it, promote it, and would never refuse it. Now, my dear inconsistent friend, if he was not God Almighty manifest in the flesh, what do you make of a sorry, good-for-nothing reprobate like that? Imagine a man who lets you bow down in front of him and kiss his finger, or kiss his ring, or kiss his toe, if he was just another sinner like you. Imagine that. In Luke chapter 4, verse 8, Jesus said to Satan at the time of the temptation, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. To worship anyone but the Lord God, according to Jesus Christ, is a terrible sin. Jesus Christ said to the devil, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only. Him only. When Jesus accepted worship, he was saying to the world, I am the Lord thy God. If Jesus Christ let people worship him and he was not God, he broke the first commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy mind. And the second, thou shalt have no other gods before me. If Jesus Christ were not God manifest in the flesh, an orthodox Jew is perfectly within his rights in saying that we say people are idolaters. And we are. Because Jesus Christ professed to be the image of God, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, John chapter 14, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and Colossians chapter 1 claims that Jesus Christ was God's image. Now, if you bow down an image, my friend, you're an idolater. Is that clear? You suppose, and I think, we're not concerned right now by what you think or what anybody thinks. We're concerned about documented, factual evidence. The evidence given in the Scripture by eyewitnesses and documented by every religion in the world is that an image is an idol, an idol is an image, and if Jesus Christ was the image of God, he was an idol, and if you worship him, you're an idolater, unless he was God manifest in the flesh. 
1 Timothy 3.16. Now, there it is. Choke on it. I'm not concerned about you people who are on or, or off the fence. I'm concerned about you folks that are straddling and going from side to side. Get on or get off. Quit trying to present Jesus Christ as a good man and a good teacher and a religious leader without believing what he said. He said a man was to worship and serve God only and an accepted worship. Now, jump one way or another. If Thomas made a mistake in calling Christ Lord and God or an overstatement, Jesus Christ would have corrected it at once. When Thomas bowed down and said, My Lord, my God, if Jesus Christ were not Lord and God, he would have straightened Thomas out in 15 seconds. But he didn't. He just let him lie there and worship. Thomas had told the truth. For Jesus was the Lord God, the eternal, pre-existent Creator. And finally, the fact of the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection cinches the matter. This is the strongest argument that Jesus is God and the capstone of all proof. In Romans 1, 4, Paul says he was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The verse specifically states that the resurrection declares Jesus is the Son of God. And if Jesus were a fake, a liar, or an imposter, or a mere man, or even a superman, God would have left him in the grave until the last day of judgment and condemned him to hell for lying. Now, you better face that. If Jesus Christ was a fake or a liar and not God manifest in the flesh, his body is in the grave and his soul is in hell headed for the lake of fire. According to Romans 4 or 6, 4, it was the Father God himself who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And if you look there in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, and Romans chapter 9, verse 4 and 5, you'll find those verses have been meddled with in all the new Bibles. Father God thus proclaims conclusive of the world the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the laws of jurisprudence of the United States, where they deal with the credibility of a witness, state that if the testimony of eyewitnesses has been reduced to writing as proven true and is on recorded and the record is found in the proper repository and no conclusive evidence has been produced since that time that the eyewitness is false, it must be accepted as credible, correct. 500 saved Christian people with high standards, higher than the Christians of today, bore testimony of the fact they saw Jesus Christ as they came up from the dead and ate and talked and walked in fellowship with him more than a month before he went back to glory. And I suppose they're all liars and you're right. And I suppose they were all so stupid they didn't know about science what you know. Yes, don't you just bet your booties, honey? Don't you just bet that Peter, Jane, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Paul were real dumb and you're real smart? Well, when I compare their lives with your life, do you think I'm going to believe you? They were there at the time it happened. You weren't. They reduced their testimony to writing. You didn't. They had a registered position bearing testimony. You don't. We must come to a conclusion. We conclude that Jesus is God, for he possesses the ten exclusive attributes of God. He's eternal. 
Micah 5, 2. Colossians 1, 17. He is unchangeable. Hebrews 13, verse 8. He is omnipotent. Luke 8, 24. He is omnipresent. John 3, 13. And notice how that verse has been messed with in all the new Bibles. You say, how many of them? Any of them? Take your pick. Take your pick. There's no difference in the last hundred years between a Catholic Bible, a Protestant Bible, a Jewish Bible, an agnostic Bible, a communist Bible, an atheist Bible. They all attack the verse of the deal with, the Je with Jesus Christ. He is omnipresent, Matthew 28, 20. He is omniscient, Mark 11, 2-6, John 2, 24, Luke 5, 22. He is holy, Mark 1, 24. He is sinless, 1 Peter 2, 22. He was just, John 2.14. He was a righteous judge, Acts 17.31. He is loving, John 15.13. He was merciful, Titus 3.5. He was faithful, 2 Timothy 2.13. And the five works of God are ascribed to Jesus Christ. Creation, John 1.3. Preservation, Hebrews 1.3. Forgiveness, Luke 7:48, raising the dead, John 6:39, and judgment, John 5:22. Now tell me, was he a good teacher or was he God manifest in the flesh? You say both. You can't say one without saying the other. If he wasn't God manifest in the flesh, he's not any kind of a teacher to listen to or example to follow. We conclude that Jesus Christ was either God manifest in the flesh, or he not only lied, but Matthew lied, Mark lied, Luke lied, John lied, Peter lied, Stephen lied, Paul lied, and the only people who are honest are the Bible-rejecting, God-denying, human, humanistic, reverencing, materialistic worshiping adulterers of the 20th century. Now you're going to have to get on or get off. There's no middle ground. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all testify of his deity. He testifies of his deity. He acts like deity. He does the works of deity, and he claims to be deity. Therefore, he is or he ain't. And no halfway ground is allowed. And you people who take the halfway ground all your life because you're cowards, and you people who take the middle ground never commit yourself anywhere because you want to play God for yourself, you don't fool anybody but an educated class of idiots who are raised on the same bunk. We know why you don't commit yourself. Because you're an anarchist. And the final analysis, you want to be the final judge yourself. You're not about to accept an infallible book or an absolutely authoritative God Almighty. You're your own God. And so is every rascal like you. Now those are hard sayings, and who can receive them? But facts are facts. And if these things we talked about here are not facts, then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Peter, and Stephen are false witnesses, and Jesus Christ was a liar. Or as Paul said, if Christ didn't come up from the dead, we are false witnesses. 
Paul was not as cowardly as some of you. Paul would declare himself. He'd lay it on the line. Paul would tell you, if what we've said isn't true, we're liars. If Christ didn't come up from the dead, you're yet in your sins. All right, now next week's broadcast, we're going to take up the arguments against the deity of Christ. We have spoken on these two broadcasts of the scriptural evidence and the scriptural proof for the deity of Christ. Now, our next broadcast, we're going to take for granted that the atheists and agnostics are right, and that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, and Paul are a bunch of liars, and that Jesus Christ was not God, but just a religious leader like Muhammad, or Buddha, or Mao Tse, or Lao Tse, somebody like that. We'll take up that in our next two broadcasts. Our next two broadcasts will deal uh, will deal with the arguments against the deity of Christ. On these broadcasts, we've talked about the deity of Christ from Scripture. And let us review the matters again one more time, as this is the most important subject in our study of Christology. Reviewing the material, there are 15 proofs for the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was referred to as the Lord, Psalm 110, verse 1, and as Jehovah God in Zechariah 12. The virgin birth would be God coming to live with men, Isaiah 7:14. The Lord was given divine names in prophecy, Isaiah 9:6. He was prophesied to come from everlasting, not from time, Micah 5, 2. God and Christ both gave their personal name as I am. Jesus Christ forgave sins. Seventhly, he claimed equality with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Eighthly, he claimed omnipresence. Ninthly, he claimed omniscience. Tenthly, he claimed omnipotence. Eleven, Jesus had creative power. Twelve, Jesus Christ, the true God, had power over the elements. Thirteen, Jesus Christ received worship due only to God. Fourteen, Jesus accepted the testimony of Thomas to the fact that he was God. Fifteen, the fact of Jesus Christ's resurrection proved beyond any shadow of a doubt that he was not a mere man, but God manifest in the flesh. We conclude that Jesus Christ is God because he possessed the ten exclusive attributes of God. He was eternal, Micah 5, 2. He was unchangeable, Hebrews 13, 8. He was omnipotent, Luke 8, 24. He was omnipresent, Matthew 18, 20. He was omniscient, Mark 11, 2. He was holy, Mark 1, 24. He was sinless, John 19, 4. He was just, John 2, 14. A righteous judge who'd make no mistakes, Acts 17, verse 31. He was loving, John 15, 13. He was merciful, Titus 3, 5, and he was faithful, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 13. The five works of God are ascribed to Jesus Christ, creation, preservation, forgiveness, raising the dead, and judgment. Therefore, therefore, any translation of any Bible that alters 1 Timothy 3, 16, or Luke 2.33, or John 9.35, or Acts 20.28, 20, or Romans 9.5, is a Bible written by commercial sellers who are trying to sell the Scriptures to save and lost alike in the hope that nobody will discover that in order to do this, they have attacked the first basic fundamental doctrine of New Testament faith, the deity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On next week's broadcast, we'll begin a series of two broadcasts on the arguments against the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until then, may the Lord bless you, and good day.